0: Welcome to the Crime of the Century podcast, where we lift the lid on modern education. I'm Kevin Prendeville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our children, we're losing an entire generation. And today, as always, we'll be diving headfirst into controversial subjects, undaunted by political correctness. And what I wanted to discuss today was a subject that took me nearly 20 years to realize. And it's a simple fact that our rights come from God not the government, not man. And the only reason I was able to even figure this out was from my own study of our founding fathers, something that's sadly taken away in the public education system and in most colleges. But above all else, what we are going to discuss affects all of us, the way we view the world, our wallets, and our freedom. So get ready for the first segment as we travel eastward, back in time to 1924. So let's set the stage for 1924. It was a time of great change in the political landscape of Europe. France, the old shield of Europe, had barely survived the Great War. And the old empires, the Austrians, Ottomans, and Russians, had effectively been dismantled. And a new ideology took their place in the East. This was the first manifestation of Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto. And it had effectively been recognized as the Union of Socialist Soviet republics. In addition to starving farmers in the Ukraine, the new Soviet dictatorship sought to destroy anything that remained from the old Russian empire. This included any reference to the Tsar, and most important to today's discussion, the old churches. See, the Orthodox priests, they were dragged out of their small town churches, and publicly their ceremonial beards were cut off, and their churches destroyed, And in defense of this blasphemy, the Soviet government said that the churches were the opium of the masses, and these churches that had stood against hundreds of years of conquests now fell to their own congregations. And what this means was that the government had declared that these places of worship were somehow oppressive, that they kept the masses down, that they kept the elites in power, and that essentially because... There were no miracles that were seen. That meant that the entire scripture was a lie. That the history of humanity, the idea of a higher power, was old in their mind. Yet, as humans, we have the idea that there is something greater than us. We all collectively know that we are here for a reason. And the line that we are made in his image It's not some fantasy, and it's not to say that we're all beautiful. We all know there are ugly people in the world, but we all have the ability to think. We all have the ability to understand. We all have the ability to comprehend. If we didn't, there'd be no mathematics. There may be a unified language, but there would be no science either. Because this is how we understand the world. This is how we quantify everything that we can see. We test it again and again, and we use numbers, And we use what we can observe to understand how our own surroundings work, how nature works. Now, there are some who have argued that nature is God. But regardless, if we understand that rights come from nature, then no one can take them away from us except for nature itself. And no one, no one that is human, no one that is man controls nature. Yet what the Soviets were able to accomplish in 1924 was to remove this idea. They were able to say that the government itself and those who controlled the government handed out rights, handed out food, they were what the person or people who lived in the Soviet Union, that's what you exist for now. You exist for the government and for the government's purpose as it sees fit. So... The individual, as one Soviet has been quoted as saying, becomes like a grain of sand. It can be crushed, stepped on, thrown into the wind, done with whatever someone pleases with it. And is that how you want to live your life? As an American, to me, this is a violation of what we've been told. We, as a country, understand that the individual has rights, and the individual has rights that trump the creative, the collective idea and ideals. And the individual knows best for the individual, not the the collective. And so to continue down our trend of not only in the public schools, but in colleges demeaning those who are religious and interpreting the First Amendment as saying freedom from religion instead of freedom of religion... It's to take away a fundamental aspect of our understanding that governments, that man, do not control rights and that rights are recognized by the government because they are inherent to the individual and that the individual does not serve the government but rather the other way around. This is what I had to learn through my own reading of the Founding Fathers. I was not granted this knowledge by going to school. I was not granted this knowledge by our colleges. And this is a crime, potentially the greatest crime of the century that we will ever see because we have an entire generation now that grows up thinking that the government hands us our rights and therefore the government can take away and the government can take away and be swayed by the collective. Why does your say matter and why does your voice matter? Now, I also mentioned that this affects your wallet, and this is exactly what we're going to talk about in the, in the next segment. So I want you to watch this quick ad, and we will be back to discuss exactly how you're being robbed of your rights, both monetarily and physically. I believe most of us are going broke attempting to pay for a second-right education. And how is this possible? Well, that I explain in 47 pages. Amazon says it's worth 12 but I tell you what, just for you, I'm going to sell it to you for 10 with an MP3 included on my new site, Kevinprendibill.com. Link in the description. Go ahead, check it out. 10 bucks for an MP3, five podcasts, and the crime of the century. The number one cause of anxiety among most American families is a paycheck. It's what's in your wallet. 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and often the political carrot is dangled in front of them. Vote for me, and I'll magically make an additional 14 cents appear on your paycheck, if you remember back to 2010. Or, in fact, with the new tax cuts, and uh, Paul Ryan, I believe it was, mentioned that an additional $2 per t- paycheck will magically appear from your government overlords. And naturally people will vote for this. And I'll vote for tax cuts too. Believe me, I love our small businesses and I love more money in my paycheck. certainly. But what we have to understand is that a government that gives and takes rights and a government that has control over the collective can easily trump the individual. And so we as individuals in this country have a unique sense of responsibility, not only to each other, but to ourselves and our own families. And that's what our founding fathers designed. It was started in 1776. The idea was that it shouldn't be that the people work for the government. Why, Why should we work ourselves to the bone only to serve for bureaucrats who will die the same way we'll die? And why should then the government have control over us? And instead, the Constitution was not designed for the government to give us our rights to dole out which group got what right. But instead, it was a restriction that the people put on the government. And it was a restriction that we as individuals knew that we had to put on the government. But the only way to perpetuate a strong republic, the only way that we can effectively continue to function as a democratic republic is through educating ourselves as to why our Constitution exists. And yet, we're not. And I found that interesting, that through all my 18 years of public education, which costs about $250,000 per student, mind you, all I learned was about how evil people have repressed and suppress other groups. All I learned about was class warfare, and all I learned was about how rich people were somehow evil, even though they were humans just as you and I. Perhaps some just more successful. And yet, I never understood why our Constitution was in place, and I never understood why our founding fathers came up with a Constitution. And it wasn't ideas that they just manifested themselves. No, these ideas came from empirical scientific evidence of what could be observed in nature, and I believe that we all have a freedom to express ourselves, be it in the First Amendment through media, and through, at that time, printing press, but now through the advent of the internet. I don't think our founding fathers could have had even the vision of something that could connect people across the world as the World Wide Web does, but our constitution and the foundational idea of a right to free speech is so universal that 300 years later it still applies. And the second amendment, the right to defend oneself and the right to defend oneself against a tyrannical government that may not recognize the constitution anymore, that too is a foundational right that is observed in nature. And yet, If we have the idea that the government gives us this right, that the government is somehow benevolent enough to arm its citizens and benevolent enough to give them free speech, then when they take away these rights, what fight can we put up? If they gave us our rights, can't they take them away? But what if a higher power, what if nature, what if God gave us that right? A power higher than that of the government. A power that will never die. A power that will not cease to exist as you and I will one day. Perhaps even as this tape will no longer exist at some point. If it's that entity that gives us right to speak, right to defend, and among others, the right to own our individual property, then who can take it away but that entity? And so how this affects our wallet is very simple. An entity or a government that doles out rights, and a government that therefore doles out the right to own property can take away. And the government can own property. And if the government owns property and your right to make an income, they own you, don't they? And if you're forever in debt, as we see with the student loans, and as we see with the amount of people that will almost never pay off what they owe the government, well, who owns them then? And who's to say that if the Second Amendment's taken away, which we are dangerously close to having that phenomenon happen, how are we supposed to get those rights back? How are we supposed to get that money back? How are we supposed to get anything that is our right back and if we forget it's our right and we forget who our creator is and believe that it's the government why well, in a few generations we may too just like the soviets in 1924 live and die for the government now this isn't all bleak and segment three i will attempt to see the light in this so if you're not if you don't want to be depressed i will enlighten us to how we can fix that I believe most of us are going broke attempting to pay for a second-right education. And how is this possible? Well, that I explain in 47 pages. Amazon says it's worth 12, but I tell you what. Just for you, I'm going to sell it to you for 10 with an MP3 included on my new site, KevinPrendiville.com. Link in the description. Go ahead. Check it out. Ten bucks for an MP3, five podcasts, and the crime of the century. So, Now that I've got you all bummed out that there's some evil force, some black hand, some shadowy figure that's going to take away your rights, let's pump the brakes for a second. You are your own man. You are your own woman. And no one, not I, no government, nothing can ever take that away from you. Not even the people within the Soviet Union at the time. They were still their own individual. But see, they weren't allowed to see themselves that way. We are. And we have that Great ability, something that was given to us by our forefathers to see ourselves that way. We are ourselves. We are unique in our own experiences. And there is no one else on planet Earth, no one else within this country, that has had quite the same experience you have. Maybe they have the same shirt, maybe they have the same pants. That's about it. And as long as we understand and reject the idea that there are somehow these groups that are at war with each other and we need to eliminate that and eliminate groups and things that can get you down a dark path, just like the Soviets did and just like the Germans did. When we see ourselves as individuals, grouped together not by differences, but grouped together in similarities and a history and an experience that we all share, then we begin to understand how we can actually work as a group, but also as individuals. And that's what makes us powerful. That's what's allowed America to prosper. And this great farmland that we have in the Northeast, this, these vast deserts that we have in the West, and the fertile land down close to the Gulf of Mexico, all of that could only be unlocked with the potential of the individual and can only be unlocked through the minds of somebody who is uninhibited by groupthink, someone who is uninhibited by some government who thinks that it has the right to tell him or her what they can or cannot do. Now, granted, there are things we can or cannot do that has been passed down through morality that we all seem to share. We all understand that murder is wrong, yet some people do it. And the people who who do, they're punished, rightly, and they should. And the government ought to recognize the right to life in the sense that you cannot murder without consequence and you cannot do evil things without consequence. We as a group understand that. So there is a balance. I'm not promoting anarchy here. But we need to understand that we are not simply a collective. We are ourselves and we must tend our own garden, as Voltaire would say. And I believe that we should all be economically free. We should not have to pay some government a giant debt to get a nearly useless degree. I am, though I talk about history in these podcasts, I very rarely use it when I work. But I still have to pay for it. And as a young student, there is no way I could have effectively paid that debt that I would owe for this education that I don't even use. Now, I understand some people who must, to become a neurosurgeon, learn from the best. I certainly want the best working on my brain if it ever comes to that, and I'm sure you would too. But I didn't go for, the people who go for feminist basket weaving and electric dance therapy, do you really need 50 to 100 grand worth of debt for that? Because that degree effectively gets you a job at Burger King. You could do that out of high school, not have any debt and make money. You could go be a manager at Home Depot or Walmart and make 40 grand a year almost as much as an office job, that would require a degree. But we've been conditioned to believe that we need to go to our public or private schools, most likely public, we need to get our four-year degree, we need to give the government our money for this degree we can't afford to get a job we can that barely gives us our money back. And to know our own worth, we cannot see ourselves as a group of slaves to the government, whether that be financially or literally, if we see ourselves as individuals yet working for the common good, we can understand what our founding fathers meant. We can understand why as a country, why we are the greatest country and why people flock to our shores. And it's not from some greater dream of home ownership as the banks would have you believe. It's the idea of individual liberty. It's the idea that has been denied from so many other countries, Europe in some cases included. We are that city upon the hill that we were described as in 1617. We are that new wave of individualism that can achieve great lengths. Look at us. We have, what, a third, a fourth, a fifth? I'm no mathematician. A fraction of the population of a place like China. And yet, until recently, our GDP far outclassed them. And why is that? Because the greatest minds of many generations come to our shores to be themselves, to be individuals, and to give back to those who gave to them. And that's a community. And that's a community that that loves and cares and isn't indoctrinated by some government force that wants another community dead or silenced. That's what we're losing. That's why we're rioting in the streets. Is because we are no longer individuals. We are a violent community. But there are generations ahead of us that aren't. There are generations behind us that may be. And the quicker that we realize we are our own being, the quicker we can tend to our own garden, the quicker we can right the ship, and so I'm going to leave you with this that Voltaire said. Be that as it may, that there are, all, there, there are problems in the world. We must tend to our own garden. I only hope that you share this message in the hope that we can right this ship, that, that we can understand as a community and as individuals that we make the choices, not somebody else. There may be a different president in office. There may be a different political party in power. But the one who changes your future in this country, so long as the Constitution stands, is you. I'll see you in podcast number four.